My name is Sam Knight underscore one. I'm a Jewish American Twitter account that thinks Sharia is actually good. Because of that, I have been silenced by Jack Dorsey's dictatorship. My follower account exterminated. My Minchies shut off. I will stand here on the streets of Manhattan, handcuffed to these doors until my inalienable posting rights are restored. Sir, the executives called to let us know that you can remain here as long as you'd like. You can protest. You have the First Amendment. I'll call 911 when you want the handcuffs removed, though. Well, you're going to have to cut my goddamn arm off, because if I can't post, I don't need it anymore. Free Sam Knight 1! Free Sam Knight underscore 1! Free Sam Knight underscore 1! Free Sam Knight underscore 1! This is Sentinel Cast number 88. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the well-fortified Sentinel Bunker, sponsored by the DSA Accelerationist Caucus. How you doing, Pistown Pals? <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a Sentinel Cast. Bit of a hiatus while we were enjoying Thanksgiving. But we are back. We've got the garbage can coming up later. We've got some guilty or innocent. We've got an interview with a socialist gamer about history and urban planning. Justin Rosniak joins us. You might know Justin as Do Not Eat. On Twitter and uh, the creator of the Franklin series. He's Do Not Eat on YouTube, too. Yeah, Do Not Eat 01 on YouTube. Do Not Eat 1 on Twitter. And he's got a Patreon, too, that will plug a little later in the show it was a fun interview talked about gaming socialism a little bit of history and uh, urban planning so check that out i guess there's nothing else really to get to here uh, other than uh just to uh, dispense some justice dispense some justice just here. the minor detail of dispensing justice there's nothing minor about that you got the gavel court is in session it's guilty or innocent first on the docket Michael Cohen. Who? I mean... I mean, technically, he is guilty. He, he pleaded... He is guilty. Guilty. And he is working against President Trump now. That that That's good. But he did snitch. Yeah, he is a snitch. He's a snitch. He did, at one time, work for Trump for a while until he absolutely could not work anymore because he was being threatened with jail time. And he's a snitch. So, Michael Cohen. Guilty. Guilty. Next on the docket, we have Eamon Bundy. I'm look. I'm just gonna go ahead and say he's innocent. We got Eamon Bundy fanboy over here this, this week. week. I I was defending imp- defending migrants here. Defending migrants. Defending defending humans' rights to land, and uh, you know, just just not just saying fuck borders. Eamon Bundy. You know what? I'm gonna get behind this. Eamon Bundy innocent, <laughs> innocent this week. All right, Mark Lamont Hill, fired oh. for CNN for talking about a free Palestine from the river to the sea. I feel like not, obviously not only is he innocent. 100% we, we, innocent. We should transfer this to civil court and, and get him some damages yeah. from CNN. Yes. Mark, Mark Lamont Hill, double innocent. Double innocent. innocent. CNN, guilty. CNN, guilty. Guilty, we already knew that, though. Remanded to uh, a court that will fucking 
uh, dump a bunch of slime on CNN <laughs> and and then push them in some down feathers. Next on the docket, Twitter. I'm going to say guilty for banning Sam Knight one, Sam Knight underscore one. Innocent for banning Laura Loomer. Hmm. So Split decision? It's a, it's, a, it's a wash. Boom. All right. Uh, next up, we got General Motors. Got to be guilty. Guilty. Closing, going overseas. Closing guilty. plans. What about the electric car, though? Going to say the electric car is innocent. Innocent. Electric cars. Innocent. Finally on the docket, <laughs> Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake. Uh, why would he be innocent? I don't know. I don't even know why he's on the docket. I think we've settled this long ago. Jeff Flake. Guilty. Guilty. All right. All right. I'm glad that that's all settled. Our guest this week is a socialist gamer, Justin Rosniak. He's the creator of a series of videos about a fictional city known as Franklin, which he created using the city building game Cities Skylines, and which he uses to explain the history of various economic movements, public policy, and urbanization. They're fascinating videos that you can find on YouTube and at Justin's Patreon, where he has an entire different series called Power, Politics, and Planning using the same game. You can find that at patreon.com slash do not eat. We talked about socialism and gaming and history and stuff, so check it out. So Justin, I remember first watching these videos. Uh, I got introduced to the Franklin series on YouTube and watching them trying to figure out the the politics behind it because a, a lot of times they were pretty overt and I figured you were either a, a socialist or an anarchist. I, I later read an interview uh, with you uh, in which you're described as a socialist, um, but me just trying to figure out your politics, I, I wonder if that comes from the fact that any exploration really of how cities evolved and how people were absolutely fucked up over during the process um, highlights the need for leftist politics, and your series does that pretty well. So, I mean, my personal politics, I don't fully understand, right, at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know if I'm, am I a socialist, am I an anarchist, I don't know. I just, you know, left to where we are is probably where we got to go. I don't, I don't care that much how we do it. <laughs> So what inspired you to start giving the talks and uh, wh where does like where does cities come in and cities and skylines come into this decision? Uh, it w was it something that you had been wanting to do or was it something that you were like, well, uh, this game is sort of uh, hypnotic and about everything and would make for a good background for uh, these sort of lectures? You have to excuse my friend Justin Sam, who's never played Cities in Skylines. He's not a. a, a I, I have, and I've really uh, enjoyed the game. He's more of a Civ Six type <laughs> kind of guy, which I am well, too. But well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I as someone who's never played it, I guess I, I'm also coming from that perspective. I'm not saying it's a bad game, okay? I'm just, I'm anyway, just wondering what uh, sort of inspired uh, uh, the series. So there's this sort of whole ecosystem of like people who play City Skylines and then they speed it up about six times and they talk over it, right? And there's there's like hundreds of these videos on YouTube. There's a lot of different uh, channels, like there's Strict Toaster, Flux Trance, Squigglehouse, and so on and so forth, right? And they all make they all make these nice uh, nice cities. Uh, and the thing is, you know, you're 
but they're they're mostly talking about the visuals rather than you know sort of the politics that go behind putting a city together and i was like well you know i can probably do this too but i, I want to talk more about like what makes the city work or how stuff has happened why it looks the way it is rather than just talking about you know how it works right and yeah. uh you know what one of my one of my friends from the sort of city skylines communities uh squicklehausen was like hey uh uh you need to you need to put together this series that you've been talking about for a long time so finally after i got fired from my last job and found a lot of spare time on my hands i was like okay let's start putting this together i didn't think it was going to be super political when it started but then like i guess the politics just happened <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just realized I uh, said the wrong name for the game. I said cities and skylines, and I I finally lived my nightmare of turning into my parents and saying the wrong names for video games. Oh, is this the <laughs> is this the Street Fighters? <laughs> is this uh, Mortal Combating? Sorry. Anyway, uh, personal joke there. Does, I I wonder. Uh, do uh, I guess is it a um are you concerned that at all that the alt right is sort of taking over a lot of the uh video game YouTube culture or is that does that at all factor into um why you do what you do on on your YouTube channel I I I mean obviously the alt right has mostly has you know the video gaming space or at least people who are centrist enough that you know they're sympathetic to the alt right right but i i'd say the video gaming is pretty secondary to the politics i'm trying to explain uh you know the last video i did i think there was like five or ten minutes of city skylines in a nearly hour long video um and that's i guess you're probably talking about the public housing episode yeah, public housing which, part one <laughs> yeah, yeah and the the sort of research that go the depth of each of these episodes is something um and I'm, particularly the public housing one the labor one how much time goes into to doing these episodes and what do you find to be the most challenging part of that uh so it's you know uh maybe a week maybe two weeks of research maybe more uh, it depends on how how coordinated I am with my own schedule, uh, you know, which is usually pretty bad. Uh, so, I mean, the hard part is knowing where to start. Uh, once you know where to start, uh, stuff gets a little bit easier. Um, public housing, I used to work for a public housing authority or I had an in internship there. So that at least gave me a couple leads, though. I was surprised at the amount of stuff I didn't know, even though I worked there about how the place works. I learned uh, some things from that episode as well. I've also learned uh, some things from your Killdozer episode uh, in which you sort of shattered the myth of Killdozer. Um, the guy just couldn't part with his poop. That is the theme of it. Of it. <laughs> uh, ra rather than a folk hero, he was a guy who wanted to uh, uh, spew his shit all over town. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and wasn't al allowed to do it. I, I get this sense that you, you know, you have a lot of ideas about how cities should be built and you have a lot of historical knowledge of how cities have wrongly been built and a persistent theme of why these policies fail or why the consequences of them uh, create so much suffering for 
so many people is is capitalism. Uh, this is pretty prevalent in that public housing episode you do where the policy is skewed toward the rich people benefiting from it and, and the people who actually need the public housing suffering. Um, but how much of it also is just the idea that, you know, going about building cities and planning cities is very difficult as uh, someone who's played city skylines and has dealt with traffic problems and things like that throughout the game, uh, you know, putting this toward real life, how much of this is city planning is really hard. It's very hard to find the right policies to put in place versus we know what the right stuff to do is. It's just capitalism fucks it all up. I mean, like the general, it's generally easy to say, like, well, capitalism fucks it all up, and to a large extent, that's true. But then you got to look at, you know, the specific ways in which it fucks it up, and then, you know, there's some technocratic solutions we can apply, or, you know, uh, I, I mean, they work to a certain extent, uh, but but there's some stuff you're just not easily going to be able to solve. I mean, once you when you're working in sit when you're working in you know the close confines of a city. Uh, the problems become, you know, related to geometry, which, you know, even, you know, even if you have uh, fully automated luxury gay space communism, <laughs> you're still only going to be able to shove so many cars down a 50 foot wide street. Uh, you know, so you need public transportation. You can't you can't wait for magical fixes, even magical fixes that are supposed to come from socialism or communism. Uh, you, you have to like you have to like implement solutions where some people win and some people lose. Uh, and you hope to minimize, you know, how people lose from that. I have only watched about uh, two of your videos. They're very entrancing. I probably am going to watch a lot more uh, now, but I'm wondering, and, and forgive me if you've already addressed this in one of your, uh, in one of your episodes, but I'm wondering how, a game like City Skylines can sort of address the issue of urbanization itself, because at least, um, well, I mean, you know, there's the the dispossession of of Native Americans in this country, but also in in Europe there was a lot of enclosure and and forcing people off of commonly held land that laid the groundwork for for uh, urbanized capitalism and. Um, maybe this is getting too much into cities skylines, but I'm wondering if 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 that lends itself to discussing sort of urbanization itself um, as as a mechanism of capitalism. So, so I mean, the way the game handles sort of urbanization, especially like denser development and stuff, is is, is pretty naive, right? So you have a building that's built on a zone, uh, presumably by a private developer. And, you know, at some point it levels up, right? And that it levels up when the people inside get smarter or richer or whatever. It doesn't really handle socioeconomics very well. Um, and it, it's it's kind of like, well, this isn't really how this works in real life, you know? Uh, when, you, when, you, when you tear down a building to build a bigger building, the people who were living in the building have to move away or, you know, something happens to them, right? Uh, that it's... It, it, so like as you can't it, it's good to use as sort of like a visualization tool but my god the gameplay is nothing like uh, <laughs> anything in real life <laughs> it's like sim city i guess it sounds like 
Yeah, well, you weren't able to uh, launch the Killdozer through the city you built in the <laughs> Killdozer episode, which was I the unfortunate thing. I could have done thing. that in SimCity 4, actually, but uh, you know, I did, yeah. not, did not do that. I there there is an expansion I saw on skid, on city skylines where they have like natural disasters now. Uh, have you have you played with any of that? And I'm wondering if there is potential future episode episodes where you can deal with like uh, developers moving into devastated areas and putting up and redeveloping them and moving all the people who used to live there out to other places after they've been devastated by a storm or whatever. Well, I already used natural disasters in a, a, a in in one episode in episode six about the water supply system uh, as a gag. Oh, with the floods. Uh, rather, yeah, rather than dig no, rather than dig a hole for a reservoir, I just had a meteor do it. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that works. But as for uh, developers moving in after, um, you know, that would be an interesting. Uh, uh, interesting episode where i could talk about disaster capitalism i know that like at, at, at some point i want to do an episode on climate change which would focus on a city sort of like uh, atlantic city or somewhere coastal like that and i could you know talk about you know how a lot of the effects of climate change uh aren't just you know rising sea levels you know because if the water were just you know a couple feet higher that wouldn't be a huge deal you have to put waders on but that really fucks with the water system and a lot of other stuff in your uh, labor episode, you talked briefly about either being a IWW member or at least being partial to the IWW. Uh, forgive me, I'm, I don't remember the exact specifics. Uh, I was just wondering if you wanted to talk about that for a, you know, a few minutes or I, seconds or whatever, if you just want to talk about the IWW and why you uh, feel partial to it as, as an organization in as a union i mean i'm not actually in i'm not actually affiliated with any leftist organization at the moment unfortunately other than my youtube channel except uh, leftist you know, twitter I, except left twitter yes exactly uh so you know that's its own organization right uh you know, <laughs> definitely the most productive happiest coherentest uh leftist <laughs> organization out there left twitter uh getting the most done so <laughs> the um uh, where was I? Uh, the I was IWW. Definitely, yeah, definitely, you know, rooting for the IWW in, in the terms of the organized labor episode, right? Because, you know, they're a union and, you know, unions are, I think the, the basis of power the left should be building on. And, you know, the IWW organizes folks who the big unions, the AFL-CIO, so on and so forth, are not going to organize, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I think the future of labor organization is going to be, you know, retail workers, service workers, the gig economy unionizing. You know, that that's the only way forward. I, I don't think you're going to get I don't think you're going to get too much, you know, real hard left organiz, organization out of, uh, you know, the trade unions. Yeah. At least not now. <laughs> and and, and it's especially now with uh, the gig economy, it seems so antiquated to try to focus on people who are just going to be considered employees under federal law by definition that excludes a lot of workers and, and such. Yeah. As a train boy, I was, I was, <laughs> yes. cu I was curious uh, to get your thoughts. Uh, you, you sort of alluded to having some thoughts on this in your, in your train episode. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Elon Musk hyperloop? 
We, we, we like to tee oh, off on boy. Elon Musk in this show, and I saw that you seem similarly yes, we, inclined here. We'll yield the floor to the uh, gentleman from Franklin to discuss Elon <laughs> Musk's Hyperloop. So I got, a, I got a whole Medium article I wrote a while back on this actually called uh, You Cannot Afford to Ride the Hyperloop uh, because <laughs> that's basically what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Uh, absent the engineering challenges, which I don't have a lot of confidence that you can solve the engineering challenges to the extent that they need to be solved, like keeping a long tube in a vacuum and you know perfectly aligned and so on and so forth. It's that the capacity of the system is going to be so low that the ticket prices will have to be astronomical, right? Uh, uh, or the lines are going to be around the block, you know. So. Uh, I, 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 compa I compared Hyperloop to, uh, you know, the Hyperloop system as defined by uh, the elongated muskrat. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I compared that to um, the North River tunnels in uh, New York City, right? And um, something like the, the amount of people you can move through the North River tunnels, which are the most constricted part of the Northeast Corridor, um, in one hour is equivalent to what the Hyperloop can move in 24 hours at maximum capacity uh, the whole time. Uh, so you're not, you're not looking at a system that's going to benefit a lot of people. It's going to benefit a, a, a some wealthy people. Um, but the thing is, if you're making, if you're making say Philadelphia or Baltimore uh, seven minutes from Manhattan, uh, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a lot of people moving out of um, you know Manhattan to uh, Philadelphia or Baltimore or wherever else the hyperloop goes and commuting in because it'll be slightly cheaper. Hmm. I, I I bet if uh, if they do manage to solve the engineering problem, Elon will just get jealous at whoever he hires uh, who who solves the problem and he'll just call him he'll call them a pedophile on Twitter. And that will that will sink the project. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, you know, we never tolerate uh, pedophiles in high positions in government or business or anything like that. Uh, I, and the other thing, of course, is the, if they do surmount the engineering challenges, uh, even if something goes a little wrong, the failure modes on this mode of transportation are horrific. Right. You're, you're just going to wind up vaporized Ugh. and then, you know. 30 more Hyperloop pods are going to crash into, you know, the w the charred remnants of your Hyperloop pod. <laughs> That'd be uh, pretty wild if the first, if Elon Musk rides the first Hyperloop and he emerges vaporized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we didn't solve the transport problem, but we solved the Elon Musk problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll stick with Amtrak for now. <laughs> Yeah, same. So, Justin, b before we uh, let you go, in some episodes you do highlight uh, IRL examples of good uh, urban planning and public policy. In the recent public housing episode, you talk, um, I should say relatively good, uh, you talk about public housing in Red Vienna, also uh, projects here nearby in Greenbelt, Maryland. Um, I noticed on your Twitter, too, you are... Uh, often taking pictures of various architecture and city planning stuff. Uh, do you have any uh, tips or uh, advice for tourists of that sort of thing, where to go to, to, to see some 
really good city planning in action or public policy in action somewhere uh, in the country or heck in, in the world that you've seen? Uh, well, for really good, you know, city planning, especially like uh, uh, transit infrastructure, um, you know, equitable and usable biking infrastructure, stuff like that, I would say not Philadelphia. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, Washington, D.C. has been making a lot of a lot of good strides with putting in bike infrastructure. There's a lot of progressive stuff going on with um, getting uh, uh, getting all that all that stuff sorted out. I mean, obviously people, people are going to bitch and moan about how, you know, a bike lane causes gentrification. It's, it's not bike lanes that cause gentrification. It's capital that causes gentrification. Um, but like, uh, honestly, if you, if you're looking for like good urban planning, good transit infrastructure, uh, probably Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, here in the United States, you're kind of, you're kind of shit out of luck. Yeah, I, I I hate to admit this. Just one thing on DC. I hate to admit this because we've we've got these electric scooters everywhere in DC now that you can. They're rent. fine. They're fine. Yeah, they're I, absolutely fine. I, I think because if 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 like they say they take cars off the road and people use them for short distances rather rather than getting in a car, which is a speeding death trap, generally, uh, then they're actually quite good. Yeah, I, I I got a membership to one of them. I have yet to ride one, partially because I haven't seen one and had an opportunity to ride one. And second, I haven't ridden a scooter like that since it was a Razor kick scooter in college about Ooh, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I'm not confident in my abilities quite yet to get on one. Actually, yeah, last time I rode a scooter, I was in ninth grade and broke my, uh, my ring <laughs> finger and my pinky finger. So I might hold off on scooters for a while. <laughs> I, I'd kill for one. Then I could go to the good grocery store on 56th Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, well, ta I, I'll take the damn bus for now. I honestly yeah. do have a little bit of Philly envy because, I, I mean, I, I guess I haven't lived there enough to get annoyed by its transportation problems and other planning problems, but it's just so much cheaper than D.C. and It, it is very cheap. We do have that. <laughs> yeah, you've got that going for you. Uh, Justin Rosniak, uh, follow him on Twitter at Do Not Eat. Check out his YouTube. Do, do not, not Eat, eat One. one. Yeah. And someone already took Do Not Eat. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's Do Not yeah. Eat One on Twitter. Oh, he's Do Not Eat One on Twitter. Excuse me. Yeah, Justin. At Do Not Eat One on Twitter. And uh, go to his Patreon. Contribute a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. Patreon.com slash Do Not Eat. You've developed a, a pretty strong following over there. All of it well-deserved. Um they're as sam said really entrancing videos i didn't i didn't know people would uh, enjoy the sound of my voice so much <laughs> <laughs> it's all your voice that's what makes yeah. it is uh is your voice justin thanks so much for coming on the show uh no problem you can never judge thanks for having me <laughs> thank you for coming on and you can never be the the judge of your own voice you are not a good judge of your own voice for no, the record I, no i found it i found it pretty pleasant every everyone hates their own voice Okay. Except me, I've grown to love my own voice, surprisingly. <laughs> Thanks again to Justin, and welcome back to the final segment of this week's Sentinel Cast, number 88. Interns, bring in the can. Ah, it's been a while. Oh, man, that thing reeks. Boy, that's just been stewing Whoa. somewhere, hasn't it? Whoa. Ugh. 
I think uh, I'm gonna gag. Oh, what would you have? Just I think I'm gonna gag. A, a bunch of babies over for Thanksgiving, and you just kept all their diapers. Push it farther back. Oh. Push it back a little farther. Okay. Let's get, get your composure let's get, together. Let's get through this right. if we can, if we garbage can stop candidate, gagging. Garbage candidate number one, Cindy Hyde-Smith. The Republican won Mississippi's special election for Senate, but rather than actually going to Washington, she should be thrown in a garbage can. Let's run down some of the highlights. She joked, well, who knows if she was joking, that she'd like to sit front row at a public hanging. She praised the Confederacy, including being photographed wearing a Confederate cap a few years ago, and she attended a segregationist academy when she was younger. And she never apologized for any of this. She did the lame, well, uh, I'm sorry if anyone was offended, non-apology, apology. And since Democrats didn't even try to get behind her opponent in the race, Democrat Mark Espy, Hyde-Smith was still able to win the race despite all that racist bullshit, or in some cases because of it, though... It, the race was a squeaker by Mississippi standards. We thought that maybe her election defeat would be punishment enough for being an awful racist, but she won, so now she's nominated for the garbage can. Garbage candidate number two, tear gas manufacturers. Earlier this week, Border Patrol agents attacked Central American migrants and asylum seekers approaching the southern border. Among other things, they fired tear gas. Now, if you haven't experienced that, and I hope you haven't, and Odds are you probably haven't. You don't know what it's like. I don't. So here is what it's like, according to a public radio international piece from yesterday on tear gas, discussing the impact on an Egyptian protester in 2011. Quote, it didn't just make him cough and cry. It made his stomach clinch up. He saw others pass out. Some fell to the ground convulsing. Disgusting. It's like out of a scene of World War One, almost. Helping supply this chemical weapon to repressive forces in the United States and around the world are a number of companies throughout the country. They're awful class war profiteers on the side of the bad guys. Tear gas manufacturers, you are nominated, well-deserved this week for the garbage can. And special nod for Warren Canders. He's the CEO of Safariland, which reportedly supplies the U.S. Border Patrol. Canders has given money to a number of politicians, uh, mostly Republicans, but some Democrats, including Cory Booker, as Ken Klippenstein reported this week for the Young Turks. We might have to throw Canders especially in the garbage can with one of his finest products chucked in with him. Garbage candidate number three, the Problem Solvers Caucus. So not only is Nancy Pelosi going to be speaker again, but one of her first acts as speaker is going to be to empower the Republican minority. And you can thank the Problem Solvers Caucus for that. That's the group comprised of some dipshit centrist Democrats who pledged to not support Nancy Pelosi for speaker unless she agrees to new rules that would make it easier for a Republican minority to get legislation passed. She eventually assented to a lot of their demands, which is just some classic Democrat shit. Take power and immediately give some of that power back to Republicans. Wish we had some sort of delisting mechanism here in the U.S. Instead, we do have the garbage can for the so-called Problem Solvers Caucus. How do you solve a problem like Pelosi? <laughs> uh, garbage candidate number four, Hillary Clinton and Jamie Kerchick. Clinton just will not go away and stop reminding us what a goddamn failure she is. Your abuela came out right before Thanksgiving to say that basically the far right is actually correct on immigration. Quote, 
I think it is fair to say Europe has done it, its part and must send a very clear message. We are not going to be able to continue to provide refuge and support because if we don't deal with the migration issue, it will continue to royal the body politique. Hmm. I can't imagine why no one believed Hillary's attempts in 2016 to portray herself as a woke anti-racist crusader because it doesn't get much more capitulate to fascist than this. Also, surprise, surprise, one of the most shrill, hateful, never-Trump dweebs agreed with Hillary. War-loving sociopath Jamie Kerchick wrote a column in Politico called Hillary is Right About Immigration. They're both vile and wrong, and they both get garbage can nominations this week for being xenophobic slime. They deserve each other in the garbage can. Garbage candidate number five, Joe Crowley, the defeated New York congressman, took a parting shot at progressives on his way out. According to reporting from The Intercept, during caucus elections this week, Crowley worked to subvert the election of Barbara Lee as Democratic caucus chair, and instead he helped corporate-friendly rep Hakeem Jeffries get elected. Crowley did this by spreading bullshit about Barbara Lee, claiming that she created party disunity by cutting a check to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who beat Joe Crowley. And while it's true that Barbara Lee did donate to AOC, it was only after AOC beat Joe Crowley's ass in the primary. But the innuendo worked. Jeffries beat Lee 123 to 113. Lee called Crowley's rumors, quote, very unfair. So, Joe, you're nominated for the garbage can. Garbage candidate number six, Elon Musk. Musk came out with another banger this week. He was asked on Twitter by one of his stupid fans how much a person should work per week, quote, to change the world. Musk's response, quote, varies per person, but about 80 sustained, peaking above 100 at times. Pain level increases exponentially above 80. To be clear, Musk here is advocating for an 11 and a half hour workday. 11 and a half hours. Imagine how much better the world would be if Musk himself only worked six hours a day. If we didn't have this union-busting brat nerd fucking going around polluting the world with his garbage ideas, his garbage management, his anti-labor bullshit. Well, as uh, we learned from the interview, only a short amount of time until he's vaporized by his own (laughs) invention. (laughs) Well, until then... I mean, and when he is vaporized, we are going to have to scrape him up somehow and put him in the garbage can for life. But until then, we might have to give Elon Musk some time off. This week, he's uh, nominated for suggesting, he's nominated for the can where he will get the time off. And he's nominated for (laughs) suggesting people should drive themselves insane through work. Okay, we've got Elon Musk, Joe Crowley, Jamie Kerchick, and Hillary Clinton, the Problem Solvers Caucus, Tear Gas Manufacturers, and Cindy... Hyde Smith. The votes, they have been tallied, folks. It was a squeaker. Cindy Hyde Smith, you are going in the garbage can. Oh, I'm, atten- I'm sitting in the front row of a public garbage canning, and folks, I like what I see. That is Sentinel Cast number 88. Thank you so much for subscribing and for taking the time to tune in. And listen, thank you to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney and levelnews.org. Don't forget, we still have our free content over at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash District Sentinel. We've got the daily news dumps. You can check those out. We'll be back next week with the newscast. We're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.